Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Wherever you are on your journey to glorify God, we are so glad you're here. On the Journey Women podcast, we'll come alongside you in the seasons and challenges of life to move you to know and love God in His Word, to find your hope in the gospel, and to invest deeply in your local church as you go out on mission for the glory of God. Today, we're chatting with Jessica Matheson about serving in seasons in which you feel like you need to be served. We pray that this conversation encourages you not to become weary in doing good, knowing that at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If you don't know Jessica, she lives outside of Atlanta with her husband and three kids. As a writer, Bible teacher, podcaster, and coach, her passion is to communicate God's love to others through words and relationships. We hope that Jessica's story of God's faithfulness to her through seasons of transition, change, and weakness reminds you of His faithfulness to you, too. I am so looking forward to this conversation, but before we go there, I want to say a big thank you to those of you who support Journey Women Ministries by donating to the podcast. With your help, we are coming alongside more women to move them to know and love God, and we are so grateful. If you'd like to help us, you can do so at journeywomenpodcast.com forward slash give. Jessica, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Hello, Hunter. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It is so fun to have you. We have so many mutual friends, and you're one of those people that I've followed online for a long time and haven't had the chance to connect with one-on-one. So this is just great. And I have been so just astounded by what the Lord has done in your life, friend, even at a distance. It is such a neat story, and I am so excited for the listeners to get to hear that today. Could you just share, if you would, a little kind of high-flying overview of what the Lord has done in your life and what He has you doing now? Yes. Well, so yes, I'm Jessica Matheson. My husband and my family, we live outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and that is a recent thing for us. We actually were living in Athens, Georgia, where the University of Georgia is and where I went to college up until the end of 2021. And I honestly thought that we would live there forever and ever. And we had family there. It's where, you know, I'd gone to school there and been at church, uh, the same church for over a decade. And honestly, it was it was the longest I'd lived anywhere and, and just kind of where I began my adult life, (laughs) Um, where I met my husband and where we had our kids and all the things. And so when we, um, 
went through just a whole bunch of different things over the last couple of years, lots of trials, a lot of difficulties and a lot of grief and loss, um, but also a lot of joy. And the Lord moved us here. And I have to say that it's definitely a never say never situation. I, you know, never thought that I would live in Metro Atlanta because I grew up here and I thought, oh, I'll never move back here. That's nah. <laughs> been there, done that. Um, but it's been just a testament to his grace and his faithfulness to see what he's done since moving here, because it's been such an incredible blessing for our family. And it has definitely been kind of just that light at the end of the tunnel that we were looking for that we wouldn't have found if we had stayed where we were. And so it's been incredible to see how God, of course, always knows what he's doing. Wow. (laughs) We're grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah, So I know that you have faced like seasons of weariness, obviously in this most recent transition, you guys have also fostered uh, for a period of time. You've also walked through the process of adoption. Um, You've served, you serve a lot. You write, (laughs) Uh, you have a lot of wonderful resources that we'll be sure to link to in the show notes. Tell me, Jessica, have you ever felt exhausted or weary in your service? And if so, how has that kind of shown itself in your life? So I guess to kind of give an understanding of where we were coming from. My husband and I lived in Athens and that's where we met. Um, And we thought that we would begin our family through biological means as most (laughs) couples do. And that did not end up being the case for us. We, um, I had some infertility for a couple of years and, you know, I had some women's health issues that we had to work through that still working through. Um, and so we went to a conference at our church and learned about the foster care crisis. And through that, the Lord laid it on our hearts that we were supposed to be involved in this. And honestly, it was pretty surprising to us because adoption had been on our radar and was something that we were definitely really interested in. Um, but we always thought, you know, we'll have, um, we'll pursue adoption after we're done having our own kids. And we, you know, kind of jumped right in. We had been served we started serving on a team for another foster family just to kind of get our feet wet and understand like what is this world right right because because it is in Georgia like you have to be certified even to like help care for other children is that correct yes so in Georgia um they the laws have changed but for a while you did have to be certified to care for other children but what we did was serve on a team where we would bring meals and we could babysit and things like that oh, awesome. but for certain i guess for certain periods of time like if you were to have someone come like a child come to your house for like a week right. or two weeks or something like that then yes you would have to be certified okay. to do like provide respite and everything Yeah. So we decided to start serving so that we could learn more. And then we went through the classes to become certified. And we, so we became foster parents and that was a whole thing. (laughs) And, um, as you said, we have walked through adoption as well, and that is through foster care. Um, so in the last couple of years though, before we made our move here, we were in the midst of fostering. So we have, we had our daughter who's still with us now, who came to us through foster care, but is now adopted. She's 20 years old. 
But we Which, also by the way, I just need to make listener. a note because the listeners yeah. may not be looking at your face. Um, you're 35. <laughs> so to have yes. a 20 year old yeah. uh, in your home as your daughter, like a 15 year age difference, that's a really interesting <laughs> dynamic. Very. It's a very interesting dynamic. So I should backpedal a little bit. So when I miraculously did get pregnant with our son, I, let's see, we had had a placement of three children who were living with us that had gone home. And right after, I mean, it was like, it had to have been like the day after they left, I got pregnant. And then when I was six months pregnant, she came to live with us. And so she was 15 at the time and I was six months pregnant. And then three months later we had our son. Wow. And then after that, we had a teen, a tween come with, live with us for a year. She was, I think she was 11, about to be 12 when she first came. That was 2020 to 2021. Um, and then we had my daughter at the end of 21, September, end of tw- September 21. Wow. So in the midst of all of that foster craziness, we were still just like living and working in Athens. <laughs> my husband was in um, ministry in a healthcare clinic for the uninsured in a Christian healthcare clinic. And then I was also working in ministry as well, where I was working at a pregnancy center, but then left that place to begin my own ministry. Um, It was just nuts. I mean, we had so much going on. And so when you talk about weariness, like we were there in 2020, 20, I think everybody was weary in 2020, but then (laughs) the year of weariness, what's our word for the year in 2020 weary for everyone, (laughs) the whole world. Um, but then, you know, we were just kind of trying to live life, do what we thought we were being called to do, but we were just absolutely drained, honestly. And then we had all of these trials just come back to back to back to back to back. So we had a lot of complications with fostering and adoption stuff. And then, you know, my mother-in-law had been really sick and her, um, illness took a turn for the worse over the summer. She ended up dying just a few days after I gave birth to our daughter. Um, We brought her home and the next day my mother-in-law died. It was, it was, it was intense. My husband lost his job (laughs) and, you know, so we had found out that we were going to be moving like just two days before my daughter was born. So we go to the hospital and have her and overnight, before we had gone to the hospital, my husband was at another hospital across town with his mom because she had been admitted. It was just insane. And so when I think about weariness, I think about those couple years and really just 2021, especially where it just seemed like hmm. the waves kept crashing over us and there was no reprieve. It was like, or like, or when you're in a boxing ring and you keep getting knocked down and you think you're going to be able to get up and another punch comes at you. that's what it felt like. It was, it felt like it was this unrelenting awfulness. Yeah. And I know many of the listeners are just like relieved to hear your story because I feel like a lot of times we can mistakenly think that, you know, if we are looking to Christ in in the right way, then maybe we won't be enduring that amount of suffering. But that is not what we see in scripture. And that is not what we see in many of our lives. So how, as you're like going about just the hardships that you guys have navigated uh, over the last, you know, particularly three years, how did the gospel empower your service when you really felt like 
because of all the respective challenges we're facing, I've just got nothing left to give. I am like a toothpaste tube that has been squeezed and I am at the bottom <laughs> of the tube. Up. Yeah, yeah, yes. trying to give, but I've got nothing left. How does the gospel empower mm-hmm. your service in, in that season? Yeah, so I think that as we were going through everything, there was this temptation to have this victim mentality of like, woe is me, yeah, you know, yeah. where it was like, are you, are you serious? Like, Lord, we were doing all the right things and still we're just being like attacked. I mean, and, but then it's like, yeah, we are being attacked. Like it was spiritual attack. And it was also, but it was also in the Lord's kindness, him stripping away the things that we thought that we could do on our own Hmm. and in our own power. And, him showing us like where our confidence was, like was our confidence in my husband having a job? Looks like maybe it was, I mean, (laughs) you know, and, um, or, or were we being confident in him as provider, you know? And so when it, when it comes to like, how do we apply the gospel? Well, there was this one passage that we kept coming back to and well, maybe, well, it was a couple, but one verse in particular, where um, it was in the Old Testament, I believe it's in Chronicles, and there's this huge army coming against them, and they don't know what to do. And so there's that verse that says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that was one thing mm. that coming back to me, like, because that was our, our situation. We really had no idea what to do, but just keep putting one foot forward and keep our eyes on Christ. And then we also were really encur- encouraged by Lamentations 3, just where it says, you know, I remember the depths of the despair, essentially. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The faithful love of the Lord never ceases, Mm -hmm. and His mercies are new every morning. So it was like, okay, Lord, you've given us another day. Like, we're still here, so there's something that you're doing in this. This isn't just a waste of time, and there's something that you're building within us. And so we didn't want to just waste it by saying, well, what was me, you know? And, but that temptation was for sure there. I remember there was some friends of ours who were also walking through a hard time, but a lot of the things that we were going through, especially with fostering stuff and within our home, like they're very personal. And there's things that only a, like a small group of people know about that I'm, I can't just blast on the internet or tell everybody about, you know, where you have to keep very close to your heart. And I remember we had some friends that were going through another another difficulty that was able to be more public, if that makes sense. And so people were really coming around them and they like got sent on a trip to Disney world and all these things <laughs> and they're taking care of them. And I just was going off to my husband one night and I'm like, well, so and so they're, they're getting sent to Disney world. And if people do what we were going through, they'd send us to Disney world too. Or, you know, I'm just whining yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband was like, you know, okay, I hear you. Like, yes, life is hard. And you know, all the things just bad validating, listening. And he was like, I hear you, but like, do you want the crown now or do you want mm. it later? Like, when do you want your reward? That's a and wise it just stopped me in my tracks. That's like wise husband. And I was like, that's true. Like, do I want Disney World or do I want jewels in my crown in heaven where the Lord says, I see what, how you were faithful and how you trusted me or how you doubted, but still came to me. And that was in the secret, you know, and that's what matters. And like, you know, you want this recognition and this, oh, we want everyone to understand and see and, but we don't need everyone to understand and see, like we need him to see us. And that's the comfort that we have, that he sees us and he knows what's happening. Yeah. Yes. I love that so much. And that's, what's amazing to me is that even when we feel so weak, somehow, even though we feel like we have nothing to offer, 
the Lord still uses us out of that place of weakness. You know, as I was preparing for this interview, I thought about this phrase that we hear a lot um, in our generation, like you can't pour from an empty cup, you know? And I'm like, is that really true? Like, is that really true? Because sometimes I think when I have been most astounded, um, when the power of Christ has been most evident in and through someone's service, it is in that point of uttermost weakness that you're describe, describing. So have you heard that phrase, like you can't pour from an empty, empty cup? And I don't know, what are your thoughts on it? Like, have you felt like you are an empty cup in and through your service mm-hmm. and yet seen the Lord use you in your weakness? Yeah. It's so funny that you asked me this because actually on my podcast, I talked about this with a guest of mine and we talked about how she's actually a counselor. And so we were like, okay, is this true? What does this mean? And she said, you know, because in my opinion, I think it's, I think it is true to answer your question. In my opinion, I think it is true. And then in talking with her, we just talked and we said, okay, here's the thing. Like we do need to be brought to the end of ourselves because it says my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Right. Right. But at the end of the day, when we think about like, what are we pouring out from? Like, if we don't have the love of Christ within us, like, what are we giving? Exactly. You know? And so it's kind of a both and. Yeah. I mean, I guess to play the devil's advocate, it's a both and because if we are pouring from an empty cup in the sense of pouring from the nothingness of, you know, we don't have any strength to give, that's a good thing because we're not trying to give out of the overflow of our pride or our own abilities and our own strength. But if we are in Christ, we need to be pouring out from a from an overflow of what he's given Absolutely. to us and what we've received from him. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that so much. It even makes me think about like Psalm 1, you know, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Like mm-hmm. we are just thirsty people who get to call others who we are serving um, and show them where that source of living water is, who is Christ himself. Right. So that is so, so helpful for us to remember as we're going about our service, um, just to drink deeply from the living waters. How do you drink deeply when you're feeling weary? What are the means that God has given us for refreshment in the gospel when we're at our last end? We might sound like a broken record, but it really is the same things we always talk about here at Journey Women. It's those three big things we mention all the time from our mission statement. God's Word, the local church, the gospel. It is these things that sustain us for a life of ministry, for the life of faith. It's these things that enable us to be like the man the psalmist describes in Psalm 1, like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Digging deeply into the Bible, the infallible Word of God, leaning into the community of your local church, God's people and His means of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth, rehearsing the truths of the gospel, the glorious news that God loved us, a sinful people, enough to send His Son to reconcile man with God. This is what fuels us for ministry. This is what makes us to be like a tree planted by streams of water, drinking deeply from the eternal waters so that we do not wither. This, sisters, is how we endure amidst our weariness. Tell 
tell me what passages maybe kind of like that have challenged and encouraged you as you are serving out of your weakness and just offered you like encouragement and strength. So Romans 8 has been a passage of mine that has been a favorite over the last several years. I've been working probably for like six years to memorize it. It's so hard to memorize. It took me three years to memorize it. Oh my goodness. It's those Pauline sentences. It's the sentences that last for three verses. That's the problem. (laughs) That's the hard part. Yeah, he really liked a run on. (laughs) So anyway, I've always, I've loved Romans 8. And I think that when I read it as like a teenager, I loved Romans. And I think when I read it as a teenager and I read about the juxtaposition of the flesh and the spirit, I was thinking more of like the the, the deeds of the flesh, like sexual immorality yeah, and yeah. gossip and slander and all these things. And now, like as as an adult, I read it and I'm thinking, no, like, well, that obviously that is the flesh. But I think about the flesh more of like the things that I try to muster up and force and do and make happen Hmm. versus the spirit where I'm like partnering with Christ and I'm walking with him instead of just trying to do all these things for him, if that makes sense. And I think that um, that passage has been meaningful to me because I'm like, okay, Lord, I, you know, I could look at my resume and say, oh, look at all these things that I've done. And these are all the reasons why I should be able to succeed in X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. Like you are my sufficiency and you are what brings me that peace. And, you know, when it comes to the end of the passage where it's talking about like, there's nothing that can separate me from that. So, you know, I, I was, I was so encouraged and convicted by that. I was like, okay, I'm just, I write, I wrote a devotional about it. I was like, let me, (laughs) I've got to write this down. I have to go verse by verse. And it was like, I wrote it really first for me. And then I was like, okay, people, this passage is not just about the flesh and the spirit in that, oh, I need to go from this bad girl to good girl. This is more like God makes us completely new and renews us. And that process is what gives us peace in the storms because we know that he's doing the work. We're not the ones that are trying to perfect ourselves. We're not the ones who are trying to, um, make all of the right choices. I think that for me, especially as an older child, and I call myself a recovering perfectionist, I can get really caught up in wanting to walk with the spirit and listen to him because I think that if I can listen to the spirit well, Mm -hmm. then I will achieve that. So Mm -hmm. sought after perfection, Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit is not given to me to make me perfect in the sense of being able to make every right decision right. and, and not never to make need, a mistake. Not to need the grace right. of the Lord Jesus Christ. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm always going to continue to need Him. Yes. Like, I, I'm never going to not need Him. Yes. And so the Holy Spirit is to make me aware of my need for Him and then to press into yeah. that instead of trying to run away from it or cover it up or you know, muster up my own strength to make it look like I'm very strong even when I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We are only as blameless insofar as we are in Christ. That is so good. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing, They're not your normal narrators. 
Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. You know, one of the things that I wrestle with, you and I have a lot in common. Uh, The listeners already know I'm a firstborn, definitely perfectionistic in nature. Uh, And I think with that, sometimes when I'm going through a hard time, when I'm feeling weary, I can feel the responsibility of that Mm. season to maybe mm-hmm. a little be a little bit over responsible for that yeah. season um and sometimes it is it is just my own ignorance like man i've i've committed to too much i have created a scenario through over committing by you know in which it's impossible not to be weary <laughs> uh, you thought this was a good idea nope <laughs> you know it's encouraging isn't it that the lord uses those things though and he is ruling and reigning above them all and knowing mm-hmm. that even in those seasons when we do overcommit like he is going to use that to bring about his good purpose in our life but how do you discern when you need to say yes or no to an opportunity to serve when you're also in the season in which you need to be served, right? like you mentioned, yes. you're, you're, you're feeling the need to be served. You need a yes. meal. You need a meal, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bring me dinner, please. <laughs> so talk to me about that discernment process for you guys. I certainly can only imagine how challenging that would be, especially in a season of fostering or moving towards adoption with very young children. What did that discernment process look like for your family? And then how do you feel like you can say no? Mm-hmm. How do you go about that? Yeah, so I think that it was it was honestly just very clear and obvious for us that it was time for us to take a step back with fostering specifically mm. because, I mean, we had been through a lot (laughs) Mm. and the Lord had blessed us with another biological child. So we were so grateful for our little daughter who was born, but then we were moving. Mm. And so it was like, okay, we've been through this, 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 bam, 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 bam. It was just like the Lord was closing the door. And so we, we did say, you know what? It's, it's clear. Like this is very obvious. I think now the process is how do we discern if and when we say yes again, Hmm. because now we're in this new place that we love. We have community. We have a wonderful church home. But when we look at our lives now, there's still, I mean, it's very full. There's not a lot of margin and not, not in the sense that we just like stack everything high and overcommit in that sense, but just because we have young children. Yeah. Yeah. It's a limiting (laughs) season. When you have toddlers (laughs) and preschoolers. And so just thinking about that is, you know, something that we are considering and just praying through of like, okay, Lord, just help us know and understand because we want to honor and, um, 
be good stewards of what you have given us in this season. And we want to make sure that we are not trying to overextend ourselves in the name of service, Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times, you know, it's very easy to take on that savior complex mentality where we got to save them all and we got to do more. And I think that a lot of foster parents would say that where they always feel like they need to be doing more because they're so aware of the crisis. They're so aware of the need. Um, But I think the comfort has come to us and knowing that we have to be obedient to what God's saying to our family for right now. And that's going to look different in different seasons. I think for me personally, even when we left Athens, I had a nonprofit ministry that I had started for women there. And, you know, we were providing job and life skills for women in a Christian context. So it was kind of like a Bible study on steroids with just mentorship and accountability and some different job skills and things. And this was kind of like my baby. Like it was something that had mm. been in my heart for a long time and we had just achieved nonprofit status. And then boom, my husband lost his job and we find out we're moving. And I'm like, how, what? <laughs> It was like my dreams just like came falling down and I held on too long to that because I wanted to try and make it work. And, you know, it had been something that was just such a sweet, um, just gift of grace from the Lord in the time that we were living where we were. And then I tried to hold on too long after we left when I did finally say, okay, you know what, Lord, I hear you. Like I, I need to, I need to let this go and I need to be grateful for the season that Mm. it was. I had so much peace, but there was so much fear. There was so much fear of, well, what will people think? Or will I look like a quitter or will it look like I didn't try hard enough or that I didn't think of enough solutions or, you know, well, people think that I'm abandoning the women that we served and all these things. And, but the Lord also in that, in that circumstance also made it really clear. Like when we were living where we were, there were all these supernatural things that were happening within the ministry and different things where it was like, oh, that could only be the Lord. And then it was almost like as soon as things shifted and we moved here all these doors started closing. I wanted to say, okay, Lord, like, I guess you're, I guess you're closing the door, Mm. but out of fear of making a decision in the midst of grief and already having so much transition, Mm. I didn't listen to that, that little nudging voice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to make the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. And even if I had made quote the wrong choice, there still would have been grace. (laughs) Amen. But I was so afraid, but I, just can't, I can't even describe to you the amount of peace that I had in knowing like that it was, that the door was closed and that that chapter was over and that I had been faithful, you know? Yeah. I definitely understand just the need to surrender to the season that the Lord has you in. And that resonates with me because so much of the service that he set before me has looked so different than I envisioned. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that transition, just because I know that transition often creates and brings out like a feeling of weariness and fatigue. Mm -hmm. Many of the listeners are probably navigating that, whether they're transitioning to a new job or a new city, like you mentioned, or even just having their children in school for the first time. So many different transitions we can undergo losing a parent. What's it been like for you to transition to your new city? And what are some things that you've done just to plug into a local body of believers and find community and a place where you can both serve and be served? 
Right. Okay. So it was interesting for us because for me, it was kind of like moving home. Yeah. Metro Atlanta is pretty big. So where we live now is about 30 minutes on the other side of town from where I grew up. And so for me, it was kind of like moving home, Yeah, but different enough to where I wasn't exactly moving home, if that makes sense. No, totally. Where we are now... Where we are now, I grew up visiting this area because I had friends in youth group that lived on this side of town. Our church was kind of in the middle. Okay. So I did have some mil- some familiarity with it, and that was helpful. And it was nice that I wasn't totally starting from scratch, but it was still difficult. And I think it was because, you know, as I mentioned, we had had so much loss and so many different things that we were coming out of. And then my husband, because he had lost his job and the job that he was coming into here, there wasn't like a huge rush on the timeline for him to start. So he was home for three months. Oh, and what a gift. So, Yeah. Like, so, and two of those months were after I had had our baby. And so I was like living the life (laughs) with my husband at home. I mean, he didn't have a job, but the Lord provided. So that was fine. And I was just like, oh my goodness. When we moved here, I was like, okay, he's going to work. He has this new life. And I'm just here. Yeah. In a, in a limiting season, right? Where you can't leave the house as often <laughs> with a newborn, et cetera. Right. So it was definitely a challenge where it was like, okay, in, in our previous town, I knew all the different places to go. And I also had work that I was doing that took me to different meetings and things. And, but I was, I was mostly at home, but I still had like different things throughout the week that kind of could break up my days. Yeah. And here it was like, I didn't have anything. <laughs> It was I, yeah. I it just wide open schedule with, uh, I guess a two and a half year old at the time and like a two month old and a night or eighteen I think at the time. Yeah. So it was like, what now? What season am I in? <laughs> what in the world? Yeah. So I kind of felt like there was just this like whiplash. Um, but one of my friends before we moved, she said to me, and she was an older friend of mine. She said to me, "You know, we've moved a couple of times, and she, I feel like it usually takes about three to I think she said three to six months to kind of get settled." And I just I remember thinking, like three to six months. I don't want to feel this way for one more day. <laughs> So my husband and I did visit a few different churches and it was strange visiting churches like around Christmas time. We moved like right before Christmas, yeah. it was early December. And so that was strange. And we finally, I just told him, I was like, I can't, I can't deal with this feeling of being unsettled much longer. Like mm. it was down between, it was between two churches. And I said, this is the one I think I want to go to. And he said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And so finally getting plugged into a church was one of the biggest things. And And being able to be around other believers and slowly, but at least making baby steps, slowly getting connected made a huge difference. So being a part of a body believers has honestly been like the biggest plus of our transition because we had a wonderful church family where we were and it was hard to think about leaving that. And, you know, whenever you're in a place, it's hard to imagine anything else different. So it was hard for us to think about being able to have another church family that we loved. And then for that to be so quickly a need that was met to have a body of believers that we loved and that we felt connected to was just such a huge, huge, huge gift from the Lord because that's been like the highlight and just such a part of our days, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially moving away from family, knowing like, hey, this is your family. 
um, and finding a place to be able to serve within that context is it, I feel like the service component, a lot of people are missing that where, you know, they Mm -hmm. want to attend church on a Sunday morning, but never serve. And so much of being part of a family is service to one another. I remember for Romans 12, like outdo one another in showing honor to serve one another as Christ has served us. There's so like a place of a feeling of belonging comes with that. And so Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. hearing that part of your story. Have you experienced this kind of community at your church where the people there truly feel like your family, your brothers and sisters? Maybe you've heard people talk about church that way, but it hasn't been your experience. Maybe the relationships there feel forced, or you just don't connect naturally with anyone in your church community yet. Finding community at your church might not always come easily. I know this from experience. I've moved over 15 times in my life. Every move has taken me to another place, another state, sometimes another country. With each move, I've wondered how in the world I would begin to feel at home. But I want to tell you that with each move in each place, the Lord was faithful to provide a community for me through the local church. You see, the amazing thing about the global church is that in every context, you can find brothers and sisters in the faith. They might not look how you thought, they might be different than you, they might even have different beliefs than you within orthodoxy, but they are family, connected by Christ, united under the truths of the gospel, family. Finding this family and getting to this level might take work, it might take time. Relationships might not feel natural or easy at first, but it will happen. I've experienced firsthand the beauty that comes from continual, intentional, and vulnerable investment in people's lives. You can start out as strangers, but as you speak the gospel to one another, uplift one another in seasons of difficulty, sit under God's word together, and pray together, you will experience the sweetest gift of family. Family who comes alongside you in your weariness and walks with you to the feet of Jesus. If you don't have this type of church family, I'd encourage you to take a step towards it even this week. Maybe that step is visiting a church on Sunday. Maybe it's joining a small group. Maybe it's committing to share vulnerably about where you actually are with your sisters at church. Whatever it is, I hope that you'll take that step and experience the true beauty of family in the local church. Have there been other people, this could be in your local church or in times past, that you've watched serve in hard seasons like you've walked through Mm. that have just been an encouragement to you? I mean, for me, certainly the local church, goodness, man, we have a family that's in our local church that unbelievably has 27 children, many of which are... um, children that have very severe disabilities. And so they were not being adopted through um, foster care or through, you know, um, just adoption agencies because of their Mm. physical um, needs. So that has been, I mean, I see them on a Sunday morning and I'm just like crying every time. I'm like, this is just so (laughs) beautiful. I can't even believe it. I don't doubt it. You know, and certainly watching their family even just serve others, even with Mm -hmm. all of their limitations physically has been such an encouragement to me. That's just one example that comes to mind. Are there any that come to your mind? Um, Just people that have 
been exemplary in their service? Yeah. So I think in the midst of all of the different things that we walked through, it was interesting to see how there were people who were going, like you said, going through their own things, but still took the time to care for us. And and when we moved here, I think that was one of the biggest things is that we did have some connections. And so it was neat for us to be able to, for me to reconnect with some people that I'd gone to college with and different friends from growing up, but then for them to just want to welcome us in was just so encouraging because we were so weary and we felt like we didn't have anything to give. And I think that as we began to be embraced by the body, because there definitely were people within our church that were walking through hard things that we didn't know much about, but we we knew that there were things going on. Um, as we were being welcomed into this to this fold, we were just so encouraged by that that it made us want to continue to give back. And so, mm. for example, like we had this really big, our, mm. we call our Sunday school classes life groups, and we had a really big class that ended up needing to split off and so that other families could come and um, so that we could have more room. And so we decided to go and help with starting the new group because we were like, this group has been so helpful to us yeah. and has created this culture of welcome. And so we want to be able to create that for other families. And so it's been really neat for, even though we've only been at the church for like a year and a half, it's been really neat for us to get to start this new group with other people and get to say like, look, you're not alone. And then start to come alongside other families. So it's been special to kind of have that full circle moment a little bit. Yeah. That's such a great example too, of just receiving in your time of need and then allowing the Lord to use that in your life to enable you to be able to give like that is just such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing that with us. I know I'm feeling encouraged to serve others, even though I am feeling pretty tired in this season. So (laughs) with you, the little things go much further than we realize. Like, for example, when we were living in Athens and we had all of this crazy stuff going on, there was a girl that I had met like twice and, you know, people were covering us with meals and everything. And she got, I don't know if she saw something I posted on Instagram or what, it was probably that. And she said, Hey, like, is there anything I can do? Can I bring y'all dinner this week? And I was like, actually we have meals this week. Um, and she said, well, what about a fresh loaf of bread and some eggs? Cause she had a chicken coop. And I was like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so she brought us some bread uh, yes. and she brought us some eggs with sourdough. And I remember I was like, this is amazing. And it just felt so loving, but it was so simple. Yeah. And, you know, she even wrapped up the bread and had this sweet little like spool of golden thread. And she said, and she's had something like, may you see God's golden thread woven through your story, like his golden thread of goodness or something sweet like that. that so great. And it was so impactful to me. So when we did move here and I was in the midst of just all the things, postpartum hormones, the transition, grief loss, all of that. My husband was like, you need a hobby. (laughs) You need something to do. And so I started to learn how to make sourdough bread. And part of it was because, well, I love bread, but part of it was also because I was like, this is a way that I could give when I don't really have anything else to give because I didn't, I wasn't in a place where I could just, you know, whip out a meal, all of these. Yeah. (laughs) And I couldn't like volunteer hours and hours of my time. I mean, I was still nursing a baby and had all these things. And, but it became like such.
such a little happy thing for me where I would bake a bread, a loaf for us and then bake another one. And I think, who can I give this to this week? And yeah. people would always be, Oh, this is so wonderful. And I'm like, I get to pass that on and kind of pay it forward. Just like my friend did for me. And you know, there's just so much power in something like a, a loaf of bread. <laughs> it can be just as simple as a loaf of bread or a text message. That is so yes. such an encouragement to those of us who feel like we're pouring from an empty cup. Again, drink mm-hmm. deeply from the living mm-hmm. water and maybe give your friends some bread. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell me this, Jessica, when you're feeling like really worn down and weary, it could be an extended season of weariness or just a day. Sometimes a day in this house feels mm. like a year to me. <laughs> yeah, I completely so, understand. I'm like, it's still Tuesday. It's still today. <laughs> How do you yeah. rest when you're enduring that feeling of weariness? Yeah, so I am someone who I have I have a hard time sitting still and just doing nothing, but I do enjoy sitting with the Lord, and so just ensuring that I have that time and not skipping out on that, even when I'm really tired, because I know that it's go- I'm never going to regret that. You know, mm. like I really don't want to get up in the morning. Like I- I'm a morning person, but there are times like in seasons like this where it's like, oh well, I could really use some extra sleep right now. Um, and so when the temptation is to just hit the snooze or roll over or just like mm. want to cuddle with my husband, it's like, no, I, I've got to talk to the Lord. Like I need yeah. him so desperately. Um, and I mean, not to have like a Sunday school answer. That's just the truth. Yeah. Like I'm like, I need you. <laughs> um, but then also just making space for just little things that I love. I mean, I love to read. Yeah. And so if everything is really, really busy and crazy and I'm not reading just for pleasure. Like I, I, that's some, that's kind of like a sign to me of like, okay, like slow down, like just even 15 minutes, like a couple chapters here, a couple chapters there that, or even just right before bed, we don't need to neglect to care for ourselves holistically. So, you know, that could look like going for a walk. I mean, I love to go for walks. Um, just finding those little things that I enjoy that are just for me, um, that I can do with the Lord or even with another person, maybe like call a friend on the phone or send a Voxer message, just those little things because because in this stage, you know, I'm not going to have hours and hours or days to myself, but just those little moments do make a big difference and help you keep going because there's something, just having something to look forward to makes a difference. Yeah. I think it's uh, an act of humility and trust that even when I am not working, the Lord is, and we can trust him that he will accomplish his purpose and no plan of his can be thwarted. Even Mm. if I take a bubble bath. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Even if you take a bath, like, but you're, you're not going to be like, Oh, I shouldn't have relaxed. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're going to probably really thank yourself for it later. Even if you didn't get to get done a chore in the house or something. Yeah. 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 Well, Hey, it has been such an encouragement getting to talk to you. It's truly felt like a breath of fresh air. And if women want to continue, uh, just being refreshed and encouraged by you, they can find a couple of your books. They're on Amazon and overwhelming hope is the one that you mentioned on Romans 8 and if you're fostering Mm -hmm. in particular you have two different prayer guides that might be a help Um, and you can find them on your website at jessicamatheson.com thank you so much for your willingness to share what the Lord has been doing in and through you it's just been a joy to get to have you on the Journey Women podcast oh I was so glad to be a part of it thank you
We hope that you found solidarity and encouragement as you've listened to the story of God's faithfulness to Jessica. We hope that it encourages you in whatever difficult situation you're currently serving in. If you found this episode helpful, consider sharing our Rest for the Weary series with a friend or leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Also, if you're looking for resources from this series, you can find our Journeywoman-specific storefront with 10 of those bookstore at the link in our show notes. You can also find all sponsor links and coupon codes mentioned in the podcast at journeywomanpodcast.com forward slash sponsors. As always, thanks for listening. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.